Welcome to Do It With Dan, entrepreneurial philanthropist, public speaker and author, creator of the Beyond Intention Paradigm. Here is your host, Daniel Mangana. Here we are with another episode of the Do It With Dan podcast. I have the pleasure of introducing to you beautiful people, a very beautiful person, that I had the accidental or synchronistic opportunity to to have a conversation with. It's a couple of weeks ago. A couple of yes. weeks ago. Yeah, a couple of weeks ago. So uh, my friend Gly, who's been on the podcast a couple of times, just sent me a text message and he said, Dan, I just had this really cool conversation with a complete and utter stranger. You've got to do it too. Or something to that effect. And I said, uh, okay, cool. <laughs> I said, so how does it work? He said, well, I just give you the link and you just book in and then you talk to him. And I said, okay, <laughs> so, you know, follow the breadcrumbs and whatnot. So uh, I, I according, accordingly just sort of got on with it. And uh, it was one of the most challenging and yet refreshing and expansive conversations that I've had in a very long time. And what we're going to do is I'll put a link in the show notes to that conversation so you guys can, uh, can, can give it a listen too. But without further ado, or any more waffling from me, may I introduce, is it? Danny Levin or Daniel Levin? Because there's some places you're Danny and some places you're Daniel. When people talk to me, I'm Danny. When my book is written, Daniel Bruce Levin. So I yeah. <laughs> I'm having, what can I say? I'm having an identity crisis. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to say, we're going to, we're going to, I'm going to call you D-Lev. Dan. You, that's, I love D-Lev. I might go down with my rapper name, D-Lev, from now on. D-Lev, up in the house. So um, I'm here. <laughs> so we had a conversation, and um, it brought up, and it still continues to bring up stuff for me, even in terms of how I'm connecting with people, the amount of presence that I'm bringing to conversation, um, because I really felt called to just take that time to be really, really, really present with where I was at, energetically and in my responses. And I remember there was a couple of questions you asked me where it's like, yeah, that's great. But let's just pretend that you don't have access to any of that. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it brought up this question for me is, it wasn't even authenticity. It was allowing it to be fresh, allowing yeah. it to be fresh and raw and real in the moment. Not that we fake our responses, but we're so used to giving a response, no matter how real it is, that let's just reinterrogate it. So anyway, we're going to talk about more about you, about your conversations with strangers, about your book, Mosaic, and just about you as a person in your journey, because I would like this to be an opportunity for people to get to know this crazy guy who runs around well, not runs around, sits around, having conversations with absolute strangers. More about your book. Um, we, you spoke a little bit about it in, our, in the podcast, the conversation I had with you. So I want to give people the opportunity to learn more about that and, and all that you're doing and all you have been, your journey, all of that good stuff. And again, I know I said no more waffling, but definitely no more waffling now. <laughs> we can the waffle. Floor <laughs> the floor is yours. <laughs> Uh, first of all, thank you for having me on the show. Thank you for your kindness and your heartfelt sense of just what a conversation can do. Mm-hmm. And what's amazing to me is when we really listen to another human being and we really care about what they're saying 
and then we search for clarity in what it is they're saying by inviting them to say it differently than they've ever said it before. Mm. Something happens. I, I find that just in the life that I've been living, my purpose has completely changed now. It wasn't that I didn't live a purposeful life for all these years. But I think I've been involved so much in seeing a world that is a little bit broken and wanting to lift it up and having my heart break when I saw how broken this world was and wanting to fix it, help it, change it, give it something. What the mosaic's done for me in just its beautiful simplicity is it's allowed me to relook at the way I look at things. Mosaic doesn't have any vertical reality. No piece is bigger than another. No piece is teaching another. No piece is learning from each other. The pieces, big or small, broken or whole, they just come together and are with each other. Mm -hmm. And in being with each other, something beautiful gets created, which was never created before. And it's in the, for, for me, what I'm realizing is it isn't in the knowledge that I have that I can give somebody or teach somebody or help somebody. It's simply in the, in the heart that I have of just mm -hmm. being willing and open to hold the space for them, mm -hmm. to let go of everything that is not them. And, and, be, and when that happens, everything that they are comes to surface. I have, a, I have the honor of having a beautifully developmentally delayed daughter. She's mm -hmm. going to be 31 soon. And she'll get into this routine where she says the same thing probably 10,000 times in the course of, you know, she'll say, I, I want to I do this, I want to do this, I want to do this, I want to do this. And, I, and so much so that at first it drove me crazy until I realized, hold it, I do the same thing. I tell the same stories over and over again. I say the same <laughs> things over and over again. I'm autistic too, I guess, in that regard, because every story I tell is the same story I've told. Well, what would happen if I just changed that story up a little bit? Mm. Would anything change? And I find that when I did that, suddenly the way I looked at my life completely changed because the stories I was telling were slightly different. Mm. The points that I was making may have been the same points, but the way I got to them was different. Mm. And so I invite people to, instead of answering their questions, I invite people to allow me to question their answers. Mm -hmm. And in questioning their answers, they see something like you, like how beautiful is what you just said? How beautiful is the fact that a one hour conversation could have such impact two weeks later? Mm. That's, that's largely, that's largely due to the beautiful man that you are. Thank but you. it's also due to the simplicity of having somebody care enough to say, okay, I've got that. Slide that to the right now. What would you say? <laughs> and you slid it to the left sometimes too. I, I so, yeah, I, I can't remember <laughs> left, right? <laughs> you just it both ways. But you know, there's, there's something about what you just shared that I, I, I want to just dive into a little bit because it, it raises a question. Is it that our experiences are here to teach us or we can learn something from our experiences because I think there's something, there's a difference between the two. Like yeah. was something here so that I could learn something or does something unfold and then I can learn something from that which unfolds? Yeah, I, I don't know which one I, which is I answer, but I can tell you in my own words what I would say because I get too confused and things like that. But 
when we listen, mm-hmm. everything speaks. Mm-hmm. Our jobs speak. Our relationship mm-hmm. speaks. Mm-hmm. Our environment speaks. Our body mm-hmm. speaks. Mm-hmm. And I've been for, for, you know, just let's get really intimate and personal. I've been listening to the world around me speak, but I haven't listened to my body speak. My body got big and and overweight. My body has pain in it that I that I and I just sort of took that on as those were those were the the prices I had to pay for helping humanity because I'm an empath and I would feel their pain and I would mm-hmm. feel it. I don't believe that anymore. I believe my body's actually speaking to me and saying to me, "Hey, there's th- certain things that you." Are, are doing that are causing their choices you are making that are bringing you the results that you have. Hmm. When we listen to those things, when we listen to the results that we have, we have to say to ourselves, are these the results that we want? And if they're not, what choices could we make that would adjust those adults, those, those results? Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter. We don't have to. We're not going to be any better or worse because we do it. But it might just be more comfortable for us. If a life without pain for me would be more comfortable than a life with pain. <laughs> that was probably a given. Pain, right? pain. <laughs> yeah. pain <laughs> but, uh, but on the same hand, I'm being given the pain for a reason. Mm-hmm. And a life without understanding why I'm being given the pain is less comfortable for me than a life of understanding why I'm giving the pain. I so when I can heal, yeah, so when I can heal the pain, heal the pain through understanding what it's trying to say. Can I share a story with you? Of course, please do. So I told you of my daughter. Mm-hmm. There are three, there are three events in my life that have completely changed my life, my daughter being one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, she is uh, the most beautiful person in the whole world to me. I don't. There's nobody I feel more connected to than her. Mm-hmm. And she's developmentally delayed, mm-hmm. so she doesn't have the ability to speak like you and I speak. Mm-hmm. When she speaks, people don't understand her. Mm-hmm. And so when she speaks to me, because we're so close, she expects me to understand her. She wants me to understand her. I'm the only one sometimes that ever has understood her. Mm. And so, and most of the time I do, to be honest, I somehow, I don't know how it works, but most of the time I get it. Mm. But sometimes when she speaks to me, I just can't understand it. Mm. And I just say to her, I, at least I just can't get it. I don't understand it. And you know, she's smart, so she looks at me and she says, he's getting old, so I probably should say it louder. I was thinking, <laughs> my, ears, my hearing's gone. But it isn't in this case that my hearing's gone. It's the clarity, but she'll say it louder. She'll scream it. Mm-hmm. And I'll, now I'm having words screamed at me that I don't understand. Mm-hmm. And so it doesn't make the situation better. Mm-hmm. When she screams and I don't understand, she'll start to tantrum. Mm-hmm. And, and that doesn't necessarily happen like chick, 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 like we're, still, yeah. we're doing it. It could happen a few mm-hmm. hours later when we're in the middle of a store or it can mm-hmm. happen in a restaurant or at a friend's house or it can happen mm-hmm. while we're driving in the car or when we're walking on the beach. She'll just go berserk and I can't, I can't put the pieces together of why mm-hmm. all of a sudden out of the blue did she start to tantrum and go crazy. Mm-hmm. And when her tantrum doesn't work, what she'll do is she'll run at me and she'll try and rip my shirt or attack me. Mm-hmm. And then... I wish I could say I'm smart enough to have figured this out quickly. I, I'm not. Mm-hmm. This went on for about 15 years. 
Mm-hmm. And what happened is I just couldn't get it. Mm-hmm. So finally, in the midst of her rage, as she was running towards me, I just looked at her and I said, Elisa, we can't do this anymore. You know I love you. You know how much you mean to me. You know how much I care about you. You know how much I want to understand you. I just can't understand what you're saying. Would you try and talk to me without using words? Tell me what you're doing without saying any words. And she looked at me in perfect English and she said, I am daddy. And I looked at her and I said, like, what the effing, what what are you talking about? (laughs) (laughs) Like, we could have saved 15 years. What the hell are you talking about, right? Mm -hmm. And, And she said, I said, how the hell are you doing that? And she put her finger to the side of her head. And in the moment she did that, I realized she was telepathically putting thoughts into my head that I had actually heard then. I had actually felt that. But, but you, I didn't you disregarded it. Yeah, I didn't even think she was capable of thinking the thoughts that I was feeling because I didn't know. Sometimes we think when someone doesn't speak, they don't think. But that's mm-hmm. just not true. She does think. The moment I said to her, you little son of a gun, have you been putting thoughts in my head? She started to laugh uncontrollably as if all the pain of all this trying to communicate with me, all the suffering of not being able to had suddenly dropped off her shoulders and she was free. And we laughed uncontrollably, contagiously for about 20 minutes together. It felt like it was 10 years. Hmm. Had that been the end of the story, I would have been incredibly happy. Hmm. But I got greedy. I said... I wonder if my daughter is showing me something that I could use everywhere in my life. I wonder mm. if the people I work with, the families, the government, the corporations, the, the, the institutions don't do exactly the same thing my daughter does. And I did some research and I found that every single case, people do the same thing. When they speak and they don't get heard, they yell. Mm-hmm. When they yell and they don't get heard, they create a scene, they create havoc, they create chaos, they create some sort of situation where they want to get seen and noticed and they're not noticed. And when they don't do that, then they try and destroy something. They could be shooting up a town square, they blowing up mm-hmm. a building, ruining a person's reputation, ending a marriage, you know, mm-hmm. whatever it is they do. Mm-hmm. And I thought, wouldn't this be amazing if an th- almost 31-year-old developmentally delayed kid right now has taught me the secret of conflict resolution. (laughs) Because there's no need to attack. There's no need to tantrum. There's no need to scream. If we can find a way to listen. There's no need to destroy if we can find, if we can listen to somebody. And what I found is we live in a world where very few people listen to each other. We just talk over each other. And so I want to start now a revolution of listening. And part of it's what I'm doing in my show. And the the enthusiasm I'm getting of people signing up, I'm having 10 calls a day hmm. with people who just want to talk to a stranger. Hmm. And I'm finding it's so interesting. So many people feel that they can talk, tell a stranger things they can't even tell their closest friends. Hmm. And I don't believe it's because I'm a stranger. I believe it's because there's a space that I create that the only intention I have when I speak to somebody is to love them and accept them, to listen to them and hear them, to acknowledge what they're saying and validate it. 
And in that space, people feel so free and so comfortable that every they, they drop all the things they use to defend themselves. And suddenly what emerges is who they actually are. And sometimes in that room, it's the first time people have ever seen themselves real. Because mm. we do carry facades a lot of the time. And, and I don't even think it's, um, I'm just speaking for myself, it's not deliberate. It's not a deliberate attempt to, to hide parts of ourselves. It's not a deliberate attempt to, to put up a front. It's just a habit of, oh, that wasn't accepted. I better put that away. Oh, that's required. Yeah. I better put that forward. Oh, that's how I'm going to survive. I bet. And then it just becomes this learnt habit. And over the years of putting on all these masks in order to be in different spaces, we end up looking in the mirror and thinking that's who we are. When it's not, it's this amalgamation of all these masks that we put on just to, to try and, and, and navigate. And then when we're trying to speak to people and we're not being heard, we don't even understand ourselves. Maybe we did get the answer back that answered our question, but because it matched a version of us that we'd forgot that we, we even were, then this massive space of confusion just appears. And then we step into the tantrums and we step into the destruction and we step into all of the nut. But when you're just in a space where you can just, oh, I don't have to defend that position. No, I don't have to pretend to be that. And it just allows those masks to fall away. And like I said, two weeks later, I'm still looking in the mirror differently. Two weeks later, I'm still uh, looking at the conversations I have at home differently. I'm still listening from a different space, even down to the work I do with clients. Um, I'm not, I mean, let me put it this way. It's not that I'm not trying to fix them anymore, but I'm looking at the challenges that are coming forward in a different light. Not just, okay, here is a challenge. I must be the problem solving coach and healer. This is my job in this space. I've actually had transformation happen with people, not by me trying to fix them, but by just saying, I'm really sorry to hear that. Yeah. Is that something you want to talk about? Instead of, okay, what's the root of this and what's the challenge and how are we going to fix it? Just, yeah. <laughs> just allowing the space of love to, to do some of the heavy lifting. Yeah. Even as you're speaking, when we, when I hear you speak about it, so much of what I see in myself, when I would do that same thing, mm. is, a, is a head approach to the situation versus a heart approach to a situation. Mm. My head approach to the situation is, okay, I was taught by my, by the Rebbe that I went, I was in rabbinical school for five years. Oh, wow. The Rebbe. The Rebbe taught me to walk into a perfect room that people would say it's the most beautiful room they've ever seen and find 10 things that are wrong with it in 30 seconds. Oh, wow. He messed up my life for, for the rest of my life doing that. But, but his theory was you can't find, you can't make something perfect until you see the places where it's broken, where it's not perfect. Um, so my ability has always been to walk into a business, to walk into a marriage, to walk into a friendship, to walk into a situation with children and immediately be able to find the, that area where something's not right. Yeah, I, I remember that. Beautiful, beautiful on one hand, terrible on the other. Mm. Because I remember a story that a friend of mine told me and it was the difference between truth and honesty. 
Hmm. Most of us think they're the same. I'm interested to hear this. And so I said to him, what is the difference between truth and honesty? He said, honesty is when you come home and you say to your wife, I thought a baby, I thought about you every minute of the day, except for 45 seconds when this drop dead gorgeous woman walked past me and I just couldn't keep my eyes off her for those 45 seconds. What do you think your wife is going to hear? Do you think she's going to hear that you thought about her for 23 hours, 59 minutes and 15 seconds? Or do you think she's going to hear about those 45 seconds? My wife definitely did 45 seconds. Everyone. Everyone. (laughs) So that's honesty. But Mm -hmm. honesty takes away the truth. Hmm. The truth is, baby, I thought about you almost every second of the day today. And that is the truth. The 45 seconds is just what we do when we can't do what we want to do. Mm. But when people build their life on the honesty of a situation, rather than the truth of a situation, the truth of the situation disappears. So yes, this beautifully perfect room has 10 things wrong with it, and I can find them in 30 seconds. Mm -hmm. But it also is one of the most beautiful rooms I ever walked into. Why isn't that good enough? And I suppose we could say it's the intention behind what we're going in to do that matters. If I'm going into a room, um, or let's use a 45 seconds. If I'm withholding the 45 seconds because of shame of about my 45 seconds, or because, um, you know, I'm deliberately seeking to deceive, then that's not truth. That's dishonesty, right? Versus the, the loving message that I want to communicate here the, the uplifting thing from today is those 23 minutes and, 40, and 15 seconds. Yeah. That 45 seconds of humanity doesn't add to the communication. It, it takes away from it. So let me try and phrase it a little bit differently so you get what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. We, everything in the world we look at has something wrong with it and something right with it. We live in a world where we focus on the differences. We focus on the things where everybody's wrong. Mm-hmm. But what will take us from where we are to where we want to be is when we start to concentrate more on what we, what we want and what we, be, what we truly believe than on the places where we failed and what we believed. So Beautiful. the 45 seconds, even though it's, it's honest and it mm-hmm. seems like we're lying to not say that, mm-hmm. it isn't really the feeling that I have for my wife is I love her so much and I think about her almost... How, how do you expect anybody to think about anybody every second of every day, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's like an unrealistic. And, and, and so, like, to say I thought about you every minute except these moments and highlight the moments that I didn't think about her is we can do that with every, everything in the whole world. We could say, mm-hmm. but why would we highlight the places where we fell short instead of highlighting the actual feeling of what we really want to say, which is who in the world wouldn't want to be thought of every moment of every day except for 45 seconds if you think about it that way. I mean, mm. what a beautiful gift to be able to give somebody to say to you, I thought about you almost every moment of the, of, of the day today. Mm. Who? Who wouldn't, who wouldn't revel in that? Why go and blot it with, well, 45 seconds, this woman walked by and I couldn't get my eyes off of her. That's human nature. Yeah. It's also how we do in our workplace. We, we, we feel like 
I could really do this job, but I can't do, but this part I don't feel comfortable in. And we highlight on what we don't feel comfortable in and that just makes it grow bigger. So those 45 seconds in that story about the, uh, my wife and the woman, those 45 seconds become the 59, the 23 hours, 59 minutes and 15 seconds instead of being the 45 seconds. Mm. And we, we have to learn to see the world the way we see the world, which is not the way we see the world. If that makes sense. <laughs> we have to learn to, to see the world the way we see the world, which is not the way we see the world. Wait a second. Yeah. I got it. Maybe yeah. when you do we it have to learn it to see. We have to it, learn it to see backwards. the Okay, we have to learn to see the world the way it is, rather than the way we see the world. Which Maybe is not the way better. Yeah. Which we don't see the world the way it is. We see the world the way we are. I think there's a propensity, there's a propensity in some areas of our lives at least. And I think when we look at the dualistic, the, dual, the, per, the persistent truth of dualism, you know, when people, I, I see these people, um, you know, the new earth and blah, blah, blah. The nature of three-dimensional reality is polarity. So there's, there's always going to be some level of dualism. It creates a tension that allows physical matter to exist. But when we can be okay with that, and just choose which aspects of it we're going to give our attention, then we're choosing which aspects of it we're going to give life to. Is that along the right lines? Yeah, I I would. So classic Eastern philosophy Mm -hmm. will talk about the fact that the meaning that we give to the things that we see is what is what is where we get stuck. Mm hmm. There is nothing wrong with the duality of life. There's nothing wrong with things that happen, that anything that happens. The fact that we label one good and we label one bad is where we start to get stuck in the reality of what we see. We may be right in those labels and we may be wrong in those labels. We, th- those, they may be, we may see it the way it is or we may not see it the way it is but suddenly all of a sudden i have a world where suddenly anybody who believes in donald trump is wrong yeah or i or i believe that anybody who believes in donald trump is right and so Mm -hmm. suddenly i've created a schism in the world that i live in where even some of my friends no longer can be my friends because they believe a certain way that i now believe is wrong who says Mm. it's wrong Mm-hmm. Like what in the world, where, where in the world did we decide that our friendships are based on what someone believes rather than who they are? Some mm. of my best friends have the most cockamamie beliefs you'd ever want to imagine. But I take a <laughs> bullet. <laughs> I wouldn't believe what they believe for one minute, but I would mm-hmm. take a bullet for them mm-hmm. because I don't care what they believe. I love them and accept them. I listen to them and I hear them. I acknowledge them for what they believe and and validate them for having those beliefs. But they don't expect, no one, I'm 65. Mm-hmm. No one in my 65 years has ever said to me, Danny, it's important that you believe what I believe. Mm-hmm. Because when they feel loved and accepted, when they feel listened to and heard, when they feel acknowledged and validated, they know I have the right to my own crazy beliefs. So but where do we draw the line with this? Like with social contracts and... Um commonly accepted uh commonly accepted moral codes for example do, do we draw a line with it or because uh, i've got something on this but i'd love to hear your 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 take on 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 that so i think we draw the line on 
what socially acceptable behaviors have become. Mm-hmm. For instance, you might believe that it's okay, not you, someone might believe yeah. that it's okay to have sex with little children. Yeah, um, that's what, that was why I was actually going because they've just changed the law right. in California and some people are right. for it and some people are against it. Right. Um, having sex with little children is... E- if you believe that's right, great. Create a place where you can do that, but not this place. Because mm-hmm. I, I know the harm that can happen from the people that I've talked to where they've, they've been the byproduct of, of someone who thought it was okay to have sex with little kids. And they were mm-hmm. abused and they've spent life, their whole life trying to get peace with that. Mm-hmm. You might think that it's okay to, to shoot a person and, and take their life because they're coming onto your property, not even mm-hmm. because they've hurt you but because you're scared they could hurt you mm-hmm. um okay slide those beliefs to the left mm-hmm. what is it you really believe behind that what is it what is it you really want mm-hmm. maybe a, a person wants to have sex with a, a child because they just don't feel loved and they don't feel that they have the ability to be loved by someone their own age mm-hmm. well let's deal with that Mm-hmm. Let's take a look at that and let's let's let me hold the space for you to be loved in this room so that you don't need to get that from a dominant control place where you're you have you you literally take advantage of somebody else to feel loved. Is that really what you want to do in your love? Mm-hmm. Do you really want to stand with a gun as somebody who looks at different who looks differently than you and mm-hmm. say to them I'm going to take your life because I'm scared of you because I don't understand you? Let's talk mm-hmm. about what you really what you really feel. Mm-hmm. What is it you're really trying to say behind those acts because remember my daughter. Mm-hmm. Speak, yell, tantrum, attack. Mhm. <laughs> It's the same thing why a, a, a grown man would abduct a child and have sex with them or a woman mm-hmm. or whatever. Same mm-hmm. thing why a person would hold a gun to someone they don't understand because they're scared. Mm-hmm. They just don't feel like they've been heard. Mm. So what we're really talking about is we're not saying, oh, you've got a belief, blah, 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 bye. It's okay, you've got a belief. I'd love to hear about where that comes from so we can see if there's something we can do to, to expand the thought processes behind that belief, but I'm going to love you as a human and not judge you on the basis of those beliefs because you're not that belief. You're a person that has that belief. Am I batting up, yeah. barking up the right I, tree? Yes, you're very close. Um, I, I think that what, what I'm really trying to say is when people don't get listened to initially, Mm-hmm. They act out. Now that mm-hmm. could be screaming. Mm-hmm. Their tantrum could be starting to have sex with younger kids. Mm-hmm. Their destruction could be killing a person, taking the person, taking 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 the dreams of another individual and, and stealing those. Mm-hmm. What would happen if we got back to that place where we said to them, "I get you're doing this. I understand." Mm-hmm. Can you tell me what you're really trying to say? Like, mm-hmm. do you really believe? Are you really saying that you want to take a take the to to rape an innocent child? Mm-hmm. Is that what you really believe, or or is there something that ha- that happened that you want to say that nobody's heard? Mm-hmm. I found in the little bit of work that I've done in this area. Mm-hmm. that there is always something that people have wanted to say that they've never felt heard. So they act out in mm-hmm. this way 
just like my daughter did with her tantrums and her and her tack, mm. because they're looking for a way to be heard. Mm. And sometimes, by the time my daughter tantrums and attacks, she's no longer even trying to say what she's saying. She's just acting out because she wants to be seen and heard. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What she, what she's saying in those moments isn't what she was saying initially. She just lost. It wasn't even important anymore that she got to say what she said. She just feels I'm not, I don't feel heard. I don't feel seen. I'm going to make sure you see and hear me. I think the same thing happens in in every criminal situation. I think the same thing happens in every situation where people don't have an opportunity. We're told what we should believe. We're told what we should think. We're told mm-hmm. how we should act. We to, but how about if we don't feel that? Mm-hmm. How about if there's something in us that doesn't believe that, but we mm. can't, no one listens to that? Mm. I mean, even when we look at just tying this back into social norms, some of the fear-based tantrums that we see people playing out are things that have become cultural norms. I was listening to, there's a song I've heard, my wife's Russian-American, and there's a song, this is literally fresh, this happened yesterday. There's a song, a pop song that she's she's played a few times. I've heard her playing it and she's laughing and joking about this song. And uh, there's a there's a TV show, a Russian TV show, like a dance show that she watches sometimes when she, she's just sort of unwinding. And there was a, a, a these two women that were dancing to this song and they had these ridiculously large butts. And I said, what, what's going on? She goes, oh, they're, oh, the song's about Kim Kardashian's butt. I said, okay. And then she told me the words of the song. And the words of the song were... Um, I want to marry a white man. I want, I want to marry a white man, but I want a butt like him. Yeah. And I was, I, 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 I looked at her and I said, uh, I'm sorry. She goes, yeah, I want to marry a white man. I want to marry a white man, but I want a butt like Kim. And I was like, okay. So they want a butt like Kim, but I have, why? I don't understand the, the need to make yeah. a reference to, to the race of her, her husband or the race of who you want to marry. And when I explained to her my, incred, my incredulity about it, and I mean, I'm not someone that normally sort of gets flustered by this kind of thing, but I just didn't, I just didn't understand the need to make the reference to it at all. And when she explained to me her viewpoint on looking at it, and then she heard mine, she's like, oh, I didn't, if I'd known that this was going to be offensive, I... I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have been listening to it. And blah, 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 blah. But it become culturally acceptable, yeah. In order to make a reference to that, and nobody. But it's. I think it, these little, these insidious little things that contribute to a construct of thought forms that lead to behavior of fear, that lead to behavior of, dis, of, of, of division and divisiveness. And when we've got these little insidious things happening all over the place, then it creates a construct wherein people's, let's say, for example, someone wasn't heard about something, they're going to look for an expression of not being heard based on what they understand as being a potential expression. And if the construct within that lack of being heard includes, well, hang on a minute, it's okay to do that. Well, I'm, well, we've been taught to fear people that look like this. Well, I'm going to direct my fear that way. Even if we look at the political situation in the US, it was very strategically, in my opinion, that fear was very strategically used in order to 
to, yeah. to gain power. And so people that had those fears or fears that could fall into that basket, even like now it's being used again, economic fears. Well, you can't go with those guys, you know, look at what they're trying to do and you can't go with those guys. And it's happening in reverse. Oh, you don't want to be a racist. You know, you, you better not vote for that guy. <laughs> Everybody's using the same thing yeah. and abusing Everybody's- fear. Yeah. It, it, Again, you know, I hate to come back and recircle around, but it makes so much sense. When we, when, when the forty-five seconds becomes more important than the twenty-three hours, fifty-nine minutes, mm-hmm. and fifteen seconds, mm-hmm. we lose sight of what it is that we're trying to do, mm-hmm. and we believe in honesty, but we don't believe in truth. Mm-hmm. And when we understand that our honesty is not our truth that the most important thing in the world is that we maintain our truth. Mm. And that doesn't mean our truth doesn't, we don't fall from our truth sometimes. But I have never seen a man fall down and get up that I've held him to the fall rather than to get up. Mm. Because, Because the beauty of the fact, the truth of the fact, is that no matter how many times we fall, we get up. Until somebody says, no, honestly, you'll never make it. You'll never get up. Mm-hmm. And some people believe that and stay down. Mm. But some people take that as their, as their cross. And they mm-hmm. say, oh, yeah, watch me. Mm-hmm. And they use that as their rocket ship to get back up and go even further than they ever thought they could go just to prove to somebody else. Mm. But I want to I want to segue for a minute because I, sure. I really think that some of the voices that happen outside of our head are really are we we can we can spend our time thinking that those are the voices that are really important. Mm-hmm. But in, in my life, what I found is it's the voices that are happening inside of my head that have the most devastating effect to me, or the most mm. liberate to me. Mm. If you if you were to say to me, "Hey, Danny, you know you are a son of a gun. You're a you're a lousy black man, mm-hmm. and I can't stand you," uh, mm-hmm. it, it, w- it would slide right off my back because I'm I'm not black. I'm not <laughs> black right? I, I mean, I would say, "Okay, they don't see me the way I am." I mean, I always I always wanted to be black, but that, I'm not. But if if you were to say to me, "You're a stupid old fat guy." Mm-hmm and I'm not at peace with my age or my weight, Mm -hmm. that would hurt me because it's what I believe about myself. Mm. And so I think it's important for us to realize what are the stories that are going on in our own head? Mm. What are the thoughts that we're thinking? What are the words that we're saying? What are the stories that those words are creating? And what's the life that we're living? The mosaic taught me a beautiful, beautiful formula. Our thoughts become our words. Our words tell our stories. And Mm -hmm. our stories become our life. Mm -hmm. If you don't like any aspect of that equation, we can change any aspect of that equation and everything in that equation changes. Mm -hmm. You can't change your stories without changing your words, without changing your thoughts, without changing your life. You can't change your thoughts without changing the words, without creating the stories. Every part of it, you plug into any part of it and all of it changes. They're all interconnected. They're all interconnected. Mm. And so the question is really not what are you saying about me? Because you have, listen, you have every right in the world to say whatever you want to say. That's your right. That's your, I I don't have any right to tell you what to say. Mm Mm-hmm. 
when I when I stand up and say you can't say that, it's usually because something in me is being triggered. Mm. And the reason something in me is being triggered is because I'm not at peace with something that's in myself that's going on. Mm. And sometimes it's not direct, right? It's an indirect sometimes. relationship that we don't even see at the yes. surface. Yeah. When I was about to take, like before COVID came, the reason I'm doing 50 conversations with 50 strangers, which is now hundreds of conversations, is because I was going to set out on the road to go to every town, every village, every every place and sit on street corners and government offices in boardrooms and in bookstores and cafes and just listen to people who no one listens to and speak to people no one speaks to. But mm -hmm. then COVID came, COVID came mm -hmm. and I wasn't able to do that. But what I really wanted to do is just listen to the world around me and hear what it has to say. And I went to a friend of mine who had done a trip similar to this like 10 years ago. And she said something so beautiful to me. I was like, whoa, one of those whoa moments. She said, you'll be fine if you realize that everyone you speak to is, is speaking to you about, what did she say, hold it. Everyone you speak to is speaking to you about and about you, for you. Mm -hmm. In other words, it's you speaking to yourself. Like when you about see you. those, when you see those Ku Klux Klan people, mm -hmm. and you want to know about their hatred. Mm -hmm. If you think it's their hatred that you're looking at, it won't be true. Mm. You have to find that place where their hatred is speaking to you about your hatred. Mm -hmm. And until you can rid yourself of whatever place in yourself you have hatred, whether it's for colorism or for women or for, or for nationalism or for anything, mm -hmm. until you can get at the seed of your own hatred, you haven't really done your job on your trip. So you have to see that everything in the world is speaking to you about you through you. Mm-hmm. And, and in my book, The Mosaic, I, that's the gardener. Mm -hmm. Because he's, he, he, when he cleans the weeds out of the garden, the garden becomes beautiful. Mm -hmm. But when we still have weeds in our garden and someone says, hey, I see that you're, you know, that's a pretty garden, but you got a bunch of weeds, then we get, we get annoyed because we think, look mm -hmm. at all the work I've done. And mm -hmm. you, you want to focus on the weeds. Mm -hmm. The 45 it's seconds. Sort of, it's the reverse of the 45 seconds. Mm -hmm. Right? And it, what I love about all of this is how easy it is to understand and how much it all is connected to each other and everything interplays with each other. Mm. <sighs> What's coming up for me right now is this idea of holding space within ourselves to allow ourselves to witness our our natural response to something and lovingly question where our response is coming from without judging it. Love that. And, and, and also giving ourselves, and I think this has got something to do with the relationships that we have, fostering relationships that give us space to sometimes express ourselves without catching those thoughts and be held accountable, but lovingly accountable. So yeah. for example, I know if you and I were having a conversation and I went off on one and started speaking a certain way, you wouldn't be like, oh, Dan, oh, you're, oh, whoa, that's not very enlightened, Daniel. <laughs> He'd be like, hmm, 
tell me more about that. And then question my answer or question my response and give me the opportunity to see how I can do something different in my response versus how I can see the 45 seconds in myself yeah. of that of that of that um of that response to all that outburst or that whatever i heard a beautiful vietnamese monk by the name of Thich Nhat han yep i know the name and he spoke about a practice that i believe is the practice of my trash man hmm. but because i heard it through him i want to give credit to the words he said and say it through his words okay mm-hmm he has something that he calls compassionate listening, which is what my trash man is all about. Mm-hmm. My trash man says, when you have, he goes, he, our trash man comes every week, the same day, picks up all the things we don't want. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, our trash man in the mosaic is, doesn't pick up physical trash. He picks up mental and emotional and spiritual trash. Mm-hmm. And he says to people, he says to us, give me everything that is holding you back from doing what you want to do. Give me everything that keeps you bound. Give me all your pains, all your sufferings, all your hurts, all your fears, and just put them in this trash can. And I don't even have to take it away. I don't even have to dump them into the truck. You tell me if you want to dump them in the truck. But the goal of this practice is that you empty yourself of all of the pain and all of the suffering and all of the angst and all the, the, the thoughts that keep you bound so that you can have a moment to feel what it's like to not have that in your system. Mm. And so in the practice, when, people, when someone says something to me or when I find myself saying something to me, Mm-hmm. Instead of standing up and saying, come on, that's not what I, I meant. I didn't do that. Instead of rationalizing it or defending it or, <laughs> or saying, you don't even know who I am. How in the world could you think I would say something like that? Mm-hmm. What I do now is I say, please tell me more. Tell me what you feel. Even when mm-hmm. I say it in my own head, mm-hmm. even when I'm, I'm, I'm putting myself Ooh. down in my own, I say to myself, please tell me more of what you feel. Allow mm. me to see, to hear everything. And they might say to me, Danny, it's because of you that I feel pain. Mm-hmm. And instead of saying, instead of defending myself or rationalizing myself, I say, tell me more, put it all in this trash can. Mm-hmm. And if we can get to that moment where I can empty myself of all of those painful things and just accept and see myself without the, that being a different person than the person that I see I am putting it all in this trash can and saying, how does it feel to be a person who is free of all that stuff? You can take everything in the trash can back if you want. Mm -hmm. But so often people say to me, will you just put that in the truck and drive it away? Mm. Because I've never experienced a moment where I actually feel this clean, where I actually feel so good where I don't feel any pain, I don't feel any suffering, I don't feel any 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 angst. <laughs> I love this that moment when that happens. And I love that moment when it happens in me too. Where it's I just almost keep like empty. It's almost like trying on a new outfit and seeing how good it looks in the mirror. Maybe. Yeah. And trying on a new look. Yeah. You know my training has been a lot in zen. Mm-hmm. And and the Zen, they, they're amazing in the sayings that they have, but they have the, the saying that says the Zen mind is the beginner's mind. Mm-hmm. It's the ability to do for a millionth time the thing that you do a million times. 
but to do it as if you never did it before and have it be the first time you've ever done it. That's the beginner's mind. Hmm. So how do we imagine when we, when we talk about how we started out, you know, I, autism and saying the same stories and doing this, how many of us say the same stories over and over again, a nauseam and it's on, a, it's on like a little, uh, uh, it's on a loop. It's on a loop and we just enter mm-hmm. into the loop and we feel so comfortable because we can space out for a while. We're saying the loop because the loop is the loop. We know it's successful. Mm-hmm. We know people are going to laugh. We know people are going to cry. We know people are going to go, whoa, isn't that great? <laughs> you know, we have, we have it all down and it's a train, it's a train conversation. We know exactly the response we're going to get, but it's a loop. Mm-hmm. There's disconnection when it happens because it's not in this moment real. Mm-hmm. It's not me changing. All I have to do, I don't have to say a different story. I just have to say the story differently to appeal to the people that are in the room right now, to the person that's in front of me, to the person that wants to hear something fresh and unique and and wants to hear my heart and soul. Mm. And when I get out of my own way and allow what wants to come through me to come through me, that's what happens. Mm. So allowing stripping it away listening to our own pain so that we can start to understand it and giving people space to to see what their life's like without the trash yeah yeah and and you know one of the things that i do that i don't see much that people do and i don't mean to you know yeah my own Mm -hmm. word i'll I'll, I'll hit it to it for you I try and be as vulnerable as I can be in front of people. Mm-hmm. You know, you go on social media and everybody looks so good. Everybody looks so fabulous. Everybody's, everybody's telling you the moments of their life, which are the 23 hours, 59 mm-hmm. minutes and 15 <laughs> seconds. Every once in a while, it's not bad to talk about the 45 seconds. Mm just so it makes us humble, just so it makes people realize, you know what? Hey, one of the reasons why I think I'm big in my weight Mm -hmm. is because I want people to see, hey, this guy, this guy seems like he's got it together, but he's he's fat. Like, why is he fat, right? (laughs) And I want people, I've held on to the belief system, I can stay fat because then it makes me more, like people can see right off off the bat that I got problems. And it's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we don't have to not have problems. Everybody mm-hmm. has problems. Mm. But when we try and hide them away or put them in a room or put them in a closet or put them on a shelf, eventually the, we break out of the closet. We're sick of it. We, our shelf breaks. We, our hiding place is discovered and we, and we, we get caught. Mm. I always thought, why don't I just be myself? Because I'm too stupid to know who I have to be with everybody and make, you know, different <laughs> color codes. <laughs> this is the mask I have to wear with you. This is the one I have to wear with you. <laughs> I'm too stupid to figure that out. I always go with the wrong mask. So just, why don't I just show up as who I am? Mm-hmm. People will like me. Great. People don't like me. Great. Mm-hmm. Do I like myself? Great. Mm. Do I like myself? Great. I think one of the biggest takeaways for me, uh, I, I'm going to invite you to, to give us, give the, the listeners a, a chance to, to take where I know that you've got back to backs today. So uh, I think we've come to a pretty, pretty beautiful apex here is 
just this idea of stripping it away and giving yourself space to see what it looks like with the thing stripped away. Yeah. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. And what people may discover, like who would you be if you were really yourself? Hmm. Who would you be in, in the mosaic? There's a beautiful story. The, one of the characters is the mirror maker. Mm-hmm. And Mo comes into the store and she knows that he I can see what other people don't see because most people don't even know her store is there. Mm-hmm. So by the fact that he walks in, she knows that he's already learned in the process to see what other people don't see. Mm. But he walks into this store that's full of mirrors. And she lets him walk around until he finds the mirror that he likes. Mm-hmm. And, she, and she comes up and says, I see you found the mirror you like. What do you see? And he started to tell her what he sees in that mirror. Mm. And she said, I'm sorry, I must have asked my question wrong. I want to know what the mirror sees when it looks at you. Hmm. Because the mirror doesn't have any of your stories. The Mm -hmm. mirror doesn't know what you think about yourself or what you feel. It doesn't know all the masks that you put on. It's just showing you you. It's just showing you you as you are. Mm. What does the mirror see when it sees you? What I would invite the listeners to do is do real mirror work, mm. not to look in the mirror and say, I love you and, and be I seeing me in the mirror. Mm. What does the mirror show you when it shows you what it sees of you? Mm. Do you see the 45 seconds? Do you see the 23 hours, 59 minutes and 15 seconds? Mm-hmm. Or do you see all of it? Do you see 24 hours? Mm. And And how do you feel seeing all of that? Can you be at peace with what the mirror shows you? And can the mirror show you how to see differently? Delev, as as ever. I'm going down with Delev. It's... it's (laughs) (laughs) I love it. As always, yo, I'm, yo, uplifted. <laughs> I'm uplifted. I'm filled up, um, and I'm I'm looking, I'm feeling, and looking different. Thank you. Really appreciate the time you spent with us today. Um, best place for people to go and check out, and we're going to pop everything in the show notes. We get Duncan to put everything in the show notes. But for those listening, best place to go. So either DanielBruceLevin.com mm-hmm. or TheMosaicOnline.com. Everything is there. Brilliant. Well, we'll get those in the show notes, guys. Thanks for tuning in today. Uh, join me in celebrating the time that we've had, just um, stripping the things away and dropping the masks with DLEV today. As always, remember that you can consciously choose a more abundant, joyful, purpose-driven life. See what that looks like without the stories. Approach that new today. Um, I'm going to be approaching things new. What can you look at differently? What can you let go of? And how can you love yourself more? Keep dreaming with your eyes open, guys. It's been my pleasure to share this space with Dilev and with you today. Peace out and bye for now. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Duo with Dan with your host, Daniel McGenna. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit dmpotv.com. We'll catch you on the next episode of Do It With Dan. Dan.